this summer, I, I attended a wedding that had a large representation of the LGBTQ community at this wedding, a very strong representation. And, and even, there was even members of the bridal party um, that were a part of this community. And, uh, <clears throat> but what really impacted me when I was at this wedding was how all the people of the wedding, all of the, the attendants of the wedding were so loving toward this community. And it really impacted me. And, and, and it, you could tell that, that that community was very comfortable at this wedding. They're feeling very accepted. And, and really, it was a testament to the bride and groom um, because many, many of them stood up and expressed how the bride and groom were so loving to them. And I was just very proud, actually, of the bride and groom. I was very proud of that couple for, for their love for this community. And, and I left that, that wedding with a couple of questions on my heart. And one of the questions was, does the church capital C. Does the body of Christ, Christians, do we love that community as well as the world does? That was one question I thought. Do we love them as well as the world? And then right away, the second question specifically was, would we at King's Corner love this community as well as the world does? Would someone from this community feel welcome here? If two men holding hands came walking up through our doors, would we still smile? Would we still shake their hands? Would we still intentionally go out of our way to welcome them? Would we take them for lunch after the service? And then I think the more important question, would Jesus? You know, I, I think the church is so good at, at loving unbelievers that are like them. You know, I, I play basketball, if you can believe that. <laughs> with, with, some, with some guys that don't love Jesus. It's very easy for me to connect with them and engage with them. Because we can talk basketball all day long. And they're married and they've got kids. They're just like me. But what about the people in this world that don't know Jesus and are completely different from us? What about the people in this world that don't know Jesus and they're looked down upon? Or they're judged harshly and unfairly? Or they're considered outcasts in our society? Does Jesus love them too? 
We're finishing a series here today called Heart Check. And, and I want to reread the theme scripture. You just heard the theme song. There's just no song that could quite uh, capture the, the theme of this series other than Don Johnson's heart, heartbeat, Sonny Crockett. But here's the scripture, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important, and, and please note that word commandment. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. As believers in Jesus, we're commanded to love God. And we're commanded to love people. We're commanded to love this world. And really what this entire series is about, it's a heart check are we loving God? Are we loving others, each other and this world, the way that God wants us to? The first message of this series, we looked at loving, loving God with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength in response to his love for us. The second message, we talked about loving each other as Christians, as brothers and sisters in the same family of Christ, and specifically in this family at King's Corner. And today, this message, the third message, is about loving the world. And when I say love the world, I just want to clarify the world means I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's the world. So when I say loving the world, I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus today. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at how Jesus loved the world and specifically the outcasts of society, the people that were different and judged unfairly and people that would have been considered difficult to love. Is there anyone in your life that's difficult to love? Thank you, Murray. Why, why are you looking at me? That's not... I know, I know who I am. Um, but I really believe that Jesus shows us exactly how to love this world the way that he loves us. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your presence here, and I thank you for loving us, and, and I thank you for being here and ministering to us. And, and God, I just pray now that, that we're going to be able to hear your voice and your heart today in Jesus' name. God, we want to hear your voice and your heart today in Jesus' name. And I just pray that, that nothing's going to stop that from happening in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to just share three, three ways that, that we can love the world by Jesus' example. And the first way that we love the world is to see them as human beings, as people, and not just see the world as their sin or their circumstances. Sometimes I think we don't see 
past someone's sin, but we just instantly judge them and their sin and their circumstance, and, and we don't actually see them as real people even. But just like you and I are more than our past, are you more than your past? And just like you and I don't like to be judged by our past and our sin, people in the world are more than their sin and their circumstances. They're more than that. But they are people that God loves and that Jesus died for. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves the whole world and died for the whole world. Every person to ever live or breathe, God loves and died for. That means he loves. That means he so loves everyone in the LGBTQ community. He so loves everyone in the Muslim community. He so loves everyone in the atheist community. Even the ones that rage against his existence. He so loves everyone in the prison community. He even loves, so loves everyone in the liberal government. He even so loves Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. I know that's a stretch, but I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you. So to love someone, we need to look past their sin and what they represent and see them as a person that God loves and died for. And this is exactly what Jesus did for the woman that was caught in adultery. There was a mob that was wanting to stone to death this woman because she was caught in adultery. And Jesus stepped in and saved her life. And the mob only saw this woman as an adulteress, as, as a filthy sinner that needed to be punished. They were disgusted by her. They couldn't see past her sin. Have you ever done that before? Where you just looked at someone or looked at a community and you couldn't see past their sin and your only reaction is gross. I have. But thank God Jesus doesn't. He saw past this woman's sin and he didn't just see the adultery and the the lust and the choices and judged her as gross. But he saw a person who his father dearly loves and a person that he is soon to die for. That's grace. That's unmerited favor. That's God's willingness to get involved when he doesn't have to. She didn't deserve mercy and forgiveness and salvation, but Jesus got involved and saved her anyway. Does that sound familiar to anyone? We didn't deserve mercy. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve salvation. But God got involved and saved us anyway. 
What a savior. What a God. He saw past our sin. And he saw us. We can't love people until we see them as so loved by God. You know, in each of these messages in this series, I've, I've talked about legalism. And that, that legalism heart, that legalistic heart always, it produces that judgmental spirit. And, and there's, I think when we talk about love and loving sinners, I think sometimes there's that, that, that thought, and I, I'm going to call it a legalistic thought, that creeps into us. And we think, well, wait a second, if I choose to love and accept this person, um, then, then that means that I'm actually approving of their sin and their lifestyle and their choices. And, and then we start to think that they're going to think that, you know what, if I'm nice to them, if I go shake hands with those two guys holding hands, they're going to think that I'm okay with their sin. They're going to think that's all right. And, and so then that judgment comes in. And then so what we do is we turn our backs to them because we think somehow that's going to make them start living right. What? That's wrong thinking. But we need to understand better God's grace. God's display of grace does not mean that God is soft on sin. That doesn't mean God tolerates sin. It doesn't mean he's okay with it. It doesn't change that the wages of sin is death. Just ask Jesus. Isaiah 53 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. There's a penalty for sin. Jesus took the lashes. His blood was spilled. Jesus died. Jesus paid the penalty. So no, God's not soft on sin because he chose to give us grace. It just means that he loves us more. God hates sin, but he loves us more. So when we extend to, when we decide to to extend grace and choose to love the world, it doesn't mean that that we agree with a lifestyle or a choice. It just means that we love them more. It just means that we're going to choose to love them the same way that God loves us. Jesus was so clear. He didn't approve of her sin. The last thing he said to that woman that was caught in adultery was, cut it out. Go and sin no more. But her sin, her choices, her lifestyle, that didn't stop him from engaging. That didn't stop him from getting involved. That didn't stop him from saving her life. It didn't stop him from loving her. Sin and circumstance should never stop us from loving somebody. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes loving the world is uncomfortable. It takes us out of our our comfort zones. Can you attest to that? I, I feel 
uncomfortable in hospitals. I don't enjoy, this is, this is your loving pastor, I don't enjoy going to hospitals. I don't enjoy being around sick people. And I don't enjoy, the, I don't like the IV and the fluid bags and the wires and the blood. I don't, I don't like being around people in pain. I feel, in, and also I'm a, quite a big germaphobe. Okay, I feel, and last week my dad and I had to go to the hospital, so we were there for a while, and, and sure enough, the guy next to him, his face was full of blood, like it looked like he, I think he wiped out on his motorbike, and his face was on the concrete, and it was just, he was bleeding, and I was just like, Ugh. and then, you know, there's people screaming, and all of a sudden you hear like a yelp, and then a baby crying, and and sure enough, for my sake, there was a used Band-Aid on the floor right in front of us. <laughs> and I was like, I don't like this. I'm, I'm cringing. <laughs> and we were there for a number of hours. But then by the end, after a while, I just start to see these are just people that are hurting. They're just people that need help. They need love. They need grace. They need support. That's all they are. You know, many people, believers and unbelievers, they feel very uncomfortable with the poor and the homeless community. I'm sure there's some of you even here that you've got no problem making sandwiches on, uh, for the street ministry, but the thought maybe of taking them to the, that homeless community, the poor community, that might... That might make you cringe a little bit. That might make you feel uncomfortable. I remember the first time we, we had our Christmas, we had a Christmas banquet here for that community, for the poor and the homeless. And I was very nervous before I came. And, and I realized, you know what? I feel uncomfortable with this community. Until I sat with them and ate a meal with them and talked with them and then I realized very quickly, these are just people that are hurting, that need help, that need love, that need grace. I'll tell you, when I was at that wedding this summer, at first I felt uncomfortable. I'm not used to being around transgender people. But then when you're there for a while and you're witnessing the world, <sighs> love that community better than you do. Then you start to realize, wait a second, this, these are people that are hurting, that need help, that need love, that need grace, just like you and just like me. So loving the world is looking past sin and circumstance. It's seeing people for who they really are, which is someone that God loves and died for. So to see, to see them. The second is, is to love this world is to have genuine compassion for them, to care about their condition and their future. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, Jesus is dealing with a leper. A leper was the ultimate outcast. A leper came to him, begging him and falling on his knees before him, saying, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. Look at 41. Moved with compassion for his suffering, Jesus reached out with his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. The leprosy left him immediately and he was cleansed, completely healed and restored to health. Jesus was moved to action because of his compassion for this man. And we have to understand compassion is more than just feeling bad for someone. But the definition of compassion is it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who's stricken by hardship and adversity together with a strong desire to alleviate and lighten the suffering. So if we have compassion for the world, it's not just that we see the world in need as people that don't know Jesus and, and, and feel sympathy, but then it moves us to action to ease their suffering. It moves us to care about their condition, to care about their future. Over the years, I've talked about the compassion quotient, and we've measured our compassion quotient before. How many of you remember doing that? Measuring our compassion quotient? Some of you? So it's been uh, over two years now, but today I want us to measure our compassion quotient And our compassion quotient is measuring how much we actually care about other people. But today I want to measure how much we actually care about the lost, about people that don't know Jesus. Okay? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to have you choose a number between 1 and 10. This is going to represent your compassion, your care towards unbelievers. Okay? But, But so 1 is being extremely low. You have little or no compassion. 10 is being extremely high. You have a lot of compassion for unbelievers, okay, for the world, okay? And so here's a few things here. I think I I wrote them down, but make sure it represents your level of compassion right now, okay? Not 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or even last year. Don't be like, well, wait a second. I remember I did that event, and I really cared then. So my compassion, I'm good, right? So it's, we can't do that. It's got to be right now, today. Secondly, don't choose a number based on what you would like it to be. I'm not going to ask you what your number is, and no one else will. Okay, so don't lie, okay? And it's not what you think it should be, or, well, I am a Christian, so it should probably be at least a six. We can't do it that way, okay? We want an honest evaluation here. And the last rule is this, you can't choose the number five. You can't choose five. You're either compassionate or you're not. <laughs> no. But, but we're, there's no sitting on the fence here. Okay? You're not allowed to choose five. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And these questions are just for you to think about and reflect on. And then I'm going to ask you to come up with your compassion number. Okay? Okay, here's the first question. How many unbelievers have you talked to in the last six months about Jesus? 
about your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you just shared with someone something that God has done in your life. How many people have you done that with in the last six months? How many unbelievers have you invited to church in the last six months? Who are you praying for right now to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Who are you praying for? Is it more than 10? Is it less than 10? Is it less than five? Is it less than one? Think about how many people you're praying for to come to Jesus right now. How many people have you personally led to the Lord this year? How many people in the last six months have you been intentional about gaining relational authority to to share Jesus and speak into their life? You've been intentionally cultivating relationships with people in the world in hopes of them coming to that faith in Jesus. I think this is a really a real telling question as well. How many friends do you have that don't know Jesus? How many friends do you have right now that don't know Jesus? Okay, are you intentional in those relationships with those friends that don't know Jesus to model Christ? Or do you just enjoy being in the world with the world? And with those friends that you have that don't know Jesus, how often do you actually consider their eternal destiny? Okay, so think about it. Think about those questions. Think about where we're at. Okay, and I want you to give yourself uh, a, a number between, choose a number between one and 10, can't choose five, of your compassion quotient. I'll tell you right now, I'm too embarrassed to tell you mine. By show of hands, how many of you are not satisfied with that number? Okay. Okay. You know, there's different ways to grow in our compassion for the lost. I think when we pray for the lost, Jesus asked us to pray for laborers, didn't he? To go into the harvest, ask for workers, for Christians to go and and share Jesus and help bring people to the Lord. I think praying for people, praying for the lost, that's going to grow your compassion. I think when you give to ministries and missions, when you give financially that are presenting the gospel of Jesus, how many of you know that your heart follows your treasure? Right? So I think that's going to help grow. I think when you intentionally cultivate relationships, so you say, okay, that person at work, that person at school, that's the person I'm going to intentionally start to love on. Cultivate a relationship. But I think one of the most effective ways to grow our compassion for the lost is simply to learn the anguish of the Father's heart. Some of us have friends that their children are not living for the Lord and, and when you talk to them and get to know them and, and they start to share about their children, they start to share 
And you start to get a sense of their anguish for their kids that are lost. I think that's what happens. The closer we get to the father's heart, the closer, the closer we get to his anguish for the lost, the more we start to think about people's eternal futures. We become eternally minded and not so focused on this place. And, and we develop that greater sense of urgency. It starts to build up the urgency to love people because now there's that internal clock going on. That time is running out. And so if we really want to grow in compassion for the lost, I think we need to learn the anguish of the Father's heart. And this is the last one here. So first we have to see past people's sin and circumstances and see them as people that God loves and died for. Second, have, have compassion. Know the anguish of the Father's heart for the lost. And thirdly, and this is very simple, is we need to give them Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. When we give someone Jesus, we're giving them hope. If, if we tried to describe the world, it would be people that are lost and dying without hope. People that don't know Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. This is what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19? Zacchaeus was one of those people that I would say was difficult to love because he was a tax collector that worked for the Romans. The Romans were oppressing the Jews. He was a Jew. And not only that, but he's getting rich off his own people by lying to them and charging more and taking more than he should. He was a sinner to the core. So guess who wanted to be his friend? Jesus. What a savior. Jesus shared himself. He brought himself to Zacchaeus's home, just like he did with you. He went to his house and Zacchaeus was completely changed, just like when Jesus comes into our heart and we're completely changed. He gave him Jesus. He gave him a savior. He gave him hope. But here's what I want us to see in this story. This is so important in loving people. Jesus didn't once in that story, not once, did he try to clean Zacchaeus. Not once. He just chose to love a sinner. How many of you are so glad today that Jesus chose to love a sinner? And so the Zacchaeus just responded to his love. He was so moved that Jesus, famous Jesus, would come to his home, a sinner's home, and show Zacchaeus that he had value and worth. Zacchaeus was so moved by that that he made a decision for Jesus Christ. 
Look at Luke 19.9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he's also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save which was lost. Zacchaeus' heart changed that day forever by Jesus' love. Please understand this. We don't clean people. We don't have the ability to clean someone on the inside. Only God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And when we try, it doesn't go well. Be like trying to give a bath to a wild lion. That's not going to go well. You're going to get hurt. I don't, know if I don't know if the lion would get hurt. Maybe that's not a good illustration. But they're going to get hurt. We're not called to clean them. We're just called to love them. Loving this world doesn't include cleaning them. We just, we just love them and, and God cleans them. Amen? Does that sound good? Hallelujah. Love God. Love each other. And let's love this world. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team forward at this time. And, um, and so what, what I'm going to ask today is just like every week that you just engage with the Lord and respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart. And so you can stand and you can sit or you can come to the altar and pray and, and whatever you want. You can sing. But let's, let's spend some time engaging the Father's heart today. Amen? Amen.
any kind of condemnation this message is about God reminding us to love that's that's what this is about it's not about any kind of condemnation and so I just speak against that um, I also just want to say that I'm just so I'm so proud of this body I'm so proud of this body there's a lot of believers that would not have received what I just said but you do because you love God and so I'm just proud of you. So thank you for that. Our prayer team's going to be standing by here at the end of service. And so if you want to linger a little bit and worship, you want to come for prayer, uh, please don't be afraid to do that. And the rest of us, were dismissed. God bless everyone.